Welcome to the Wildscast. Today's guest is Dimitri Salita. He's a hero to many and one of the most famous Jewish boxers of our time. He was undefeated in his first 29 professional bouts. He was the star of the 2007 documentary Orthodox film Stance. As if that were not enough, the 39-year-old started a new chapter of his life, founding Salita Promotions, for which he is president. He has numerous boxers in his stable, including Clarice Shields, who is viewed as one of the best female boxers in the world. It was a great conversation. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Hello and welcome everyone to the Wilds cast. It is an honor and a pleasure uh, to greet you all. It's been a couple of weeks, actually. We had the holiday of Shavuot, a lot of other things going on, and uh, but a week, we're coming back strong, um, figuratively and literally, with a... Um, an amazing, amazing guest. I just want to thank Dimitri Salita for agreeing to uh, be interviewed on this podcast. Welcome, Dimitri. How are you doing, Rabbi? Nice Great. To, nice, nice to be on with you. Oh, it's a pleasure and an honor. So for those of you who don't know, Dimitri is a hero to many, many people. He's one of the most famous Jewish boxers of all time. Uh, he is born in the Ukraine, and he learned his trade at Starrett City Boxing under the tutelage of Jimmy O'Farrow. Did I pronounce Jimmy's last name right? Jimmy O'Farrow. O'Farrow. Known as Jimmy O uh, in the Jimmy boxing o. circles. Yeah, I've heard, yeah. I've heard of him. I'm not even in the boxing circles, and I've heard of him. He's big. Okay. We're both eating here a little, so please excuse us. Um, so Dimitri has an unbelievable record. He was undefeated in his first 24 fights. He stands 20, with a, 29 fights. 29. All Close right. enough. <laughs> I'm have to talk to my people. By the way, I want to f- uh, f- uh, thank our good friend Alan Zeitlin for bringing us together. I'll, bl- I'll blame the 24 discrepancy on Alan. Okay, so 29 fights, undefeated. 29 fights, man. You must have felt like you've been you were probably in such a high. I mean, he stands with a record of 35 wins, two losses, and a draw with 18 knockouts. Uh, Dimitri was the star of the 2007 democracy a documentary called Orthodox Stance, which showed how one can be an observant Jew and a pro boxer at the same time. And as if that weren't enough, uh, Dimitri started a new chapter in his life, which we're going to hear about called Salida Productions, which is now the president. He's got a whole uh, crew of boxers now, including um, Claris Shields. Did I pronounce her name properly? It's Salida Promotions, and the fighter's name is Clarissa Shields. Salita Promotions, and her name is what, what's her first name? Her name is first name is Clarissa. Her last Clarissa. name is Shields. Clarissa Shields, seen by many as one of the best female boxers in the world alive today. Um, and while many would think that boxing and observing Judaism are antithetical, Dimitri has always really believed, and this is what I found very special, that they go hand in hand. But if it's okay, Dimitri. I do, I um sort of the elephant in the room here sure. is that while the, before we get into your personal life and I'm really excited about that you know given all the anti-semitism that's going on um mm-hmm. and it seems like we're living in times where we could use more Jewish fighters in New York and maybe even throughout the world um as one of the few Jews who could knock somebody out with one punch um what is your reaction to uh, all I these videos, what, yeah, and what, what's what going we should on be is, doing. It's yeah. really terrible. You know, my family immigrated here from the Soviet Union in 1991, and one of the main reasons why we came here is to escape uh, anti-Semitism and prosecution and for uh, 
us to be able to be proud, open Jews uh, in the United States of America. And uh, these days, what's happening is, is really terrible. And uh, it hurts me on many different levels. And, uh, you know, I think that we, that, that, uh, that uh, we as a community have to stick together, uh, no matter that denomination, religious, non-religious, orthodox, etc. Uh, it kind of goes to show that, that uh, the tragic events that happened uh, 80 years ago and prior to that, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately can repeat themselves. And, uh, you know, we, we have to make sure that, that, that they don't. Um, and this is really just what's going on is horrific and mind-boggling in many ways. Uh, but it is what it is. Are you surprised, Dimitri, what's happening, given what happened in Israel? Do you see them, the two of these th- two things linked? Or is this just an excuse? In other words, Hamas attacks Israel with rockets. They claim that they had some, you know, basis to do this. This is ridiculous. Uh, and Israel fires back, and then Jews get beaten up in New York City. I mean, does one thing have anything to do with the next? Well, I think it's just a cause, just a, an excuse for that to happen. Mm-hmm. There has to be a, an inner foundation mm-hmm. for you to go outside and to assault someone just because of who they are, where you know where they come from, their religion, their creed. So, so in my opinion, this is happening because there's a foundation for that to happen with certain individuals that choose to uh, to take upon violence and and uh, unlawful behavior to attack the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And what do you say? And, yeah, and, yeah, and, please. And, and also, in, in in media and in pop culture, there's a lot of terrible things happening, uh, and there's an assault uh, on, on on Judaism and on Jews, and that really hurts me as well. So, um, and you think you think the assault on Jews happening in the media and pop culture, you think that's spilling over? You think that's having an effect? On what we're seeing well, on the well, street. What do you think, Rabbi? I mean, I do. I, I 100% think, and I appreciate you asking me, but I'm curious, you know, because I, I think one of the things that Judaism teaches is the power of words, and you can't keep saying things and unfairly critiquing Israel, basically not expecting Israel to defend herself, and then not have that some sort of impact with someone else. People listen. People pay attention to what's happening on social media, and they, and they see Israel vilified again and again and again. In the press, I think it's going to have a big impact. Well, yeah, Israel is vilified, and also uh, it's it's in a way connected to, to, to Judaism and to Jewish message and to Jews uh, and to what they stand for. So, so uh, unfortunately, I feel the two the two are connected. And if they wouldn't be connected, then you wouldn't see this kind of violence and acceptance of what's going on in, in the streets uh, and in big cities. There's rallies. There's Anti-Jewish rallies, uh, calling for death of women and children, and and just terrible, terrible things. Um, and uh, it's 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 uh, it's really painful and, and, and really terrible to see. Um, and for someone who's who's escaped that to come to the United States, which I believe is the best country in the world, uh, and has the uh, you know all, all the all the the. Uh, ingredients and possibilities for someone to make the most of themselves, no matter of who they are. Um, so to see something like this going on uh, is really painful and 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 uh, and, uh, and and terrible. I appreciate your perspective from somebody coming another from another country where those rights are not protected, and how grateful you are to America. Why do you think 
it's being accepted. Why do you think there's so much silence? Very few uh, political officials have come out, you know, decrying. Well, I think that the Jewish community as a as a whole, we because the Jewish community has faced anti-Semitism for so many years. I think that we've been conditioned, uh, and you know, facing things. I think I lost you, Rabbi. Yeah, we just lost your volume there. For the, also, uh, continue. Just just say over what you just said, if you don't mind. So yeah, so I think I mean, in my opinion, the Jewish community has faced anti-Semitism for millennia, for centuries, over and over again in modern times and in past times. And we've been conditioned to kind of to be quiet about our problems, to be to be quiet about our issues, because you know usually uh, there is a repercussion as a result as a result of it. So um, you know, I think that culturally, maybe some of that is is is, is we see some of that in our uh, you know in in our culture. I think that that with that, you know, Jewish people have been able to. Whatever, whatever community they go to, they've been able to make something of themselves and uh, and become uh, prosperous and 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 uh, and um, successful, uh, even with the limitations. Talking about past times, um, so uh, I feel that uh, as a community, sometimes we're maybe uh, you know. Uh, don't speak as loudly as we should about certain things. Um, and, um, but, but, you know, I, I do have to say that over, the, over this recent conflict, I think that, that more people, just regular folks have gotten kind of fed up with this injustice yeah. and, and I'm talking about it, uh, you know, in, in, in an open way. So, um, uh, yeah, hope, hopefully, uh, 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 good things will happen and, and, uh, the good Lord will help us, uh, guide us in the right direction. Amen. I mean, and you're obviously in favor, it sounds, of people speaking out and not being silent. I mean, I'm, 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 uh, I think when you get slapped and it's not just, and, and when you, someone takes something away from you and it's against the law, you should talk about it. I mean, the law of the land protects every, every citizen every individual, no matter who they are, where they come from. So just as, I, I mean, I, I, the Jewish people should be protected just like every other uh, citizen or, or, or um, living person in the United States. So I think that, that, that we deserve the liberty and yeah. the equality of everybody else. Um, and, and, and let me and, just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm oh, and, 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 and uh, you know, the security and the, um, Confidence of every citizen in the United States matters. Certainly, you know, and 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 uh, you know, Jews are an unknown minority because you know most of the Jews are fit in, and no one knows that they're Jewish. But um, so, and and let me ask you a question as a boxer now. Mm-hmm. Okay, what would you suggest? I this is going to sound ridiculous, Dimitri, but right. I just leaned over to take my. Um, my tripod that I use to, to hold the light for, and my camera. Uh-huh. I have a second one. Don't hit okay. No, I'm not going to touch <laughs> you, man. I would, okay. <laughs> I would not touch you. How many knockouts did you have? 18 knockouts? I'm not going near you. My question to you, though, is I, I'm walking around New York City with this because mm-hmm. I got into a whole – I just wrote a blog about this discussion with my boys. I have three sons and a daughter, wow. and I told I told 
my son was going up, was about to get on the train to go up to the Heights where he goes to Yeshiva University. And I said to him, I need you to take something. I didn't tell him to take his yarmulke off. I said, you should right. wear your yarmulke proud. Yeah. But if you're going to wear your yarmulke, you need to have some way of defending yourself. He used to be on the tennis team. So I said, go take your tennis racket. He said, dad, this looks ridiculous. I'm not walking through the streets of Manhattan with a tennis racket. So I said, well, then I don't want you wearing a yarmulke. If you're not going to have something to protect yourself, you're not a, you're not trained to fight. He's a pretty strong kid. He's 21. But um, I'm walking around with this because I don't want to take this off. The last time I had to take a yarmulke off was in France when I was there. And I was like, I'm not doing that in New York City. What do you recommend? Keep our yarmulkes on. Um, you know, we're trying to get the police to help out, you know, and protect more, obviously. But well, it's, it's, it's pretty terrible that you feel this way. I mean, the question of where you should wear yarmulke or not is not for me. It's for your rabbi. It's not for me to say, to, 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 to say something like that one way or the other. Um, it's it's really unfortunate that, that that people don't feel safe in New York City, which is like one of the biggest Jewish diasporas outside of Israel. Uh, and uh, I think your question says it all. From a Jewish perspective, let me just make it clear. You don't have to wear a kippah. You, you need to have your head covered, according to Jewish tradition. So I told my son, put the cap on. But it bothers me. I want to wear my MGE t-shirt. I want to wear the t-shirt that says Israel here. But I want to feel safe. Um, do, do you recommend people taking like a Jewish defense or any kind of like Krav Maga? Or- I think I think I think defense and that is always good uh, during times of peace and during times of conflict. That's an always a great art to know for your mind and for your body. Uh, and I think that uh, we should all, uh, you know, and I'm when I talk, I also talk to myself. We should all strengthen our our belief and our and our the strength of, of of being united of knowing that we're under God and uh, and uh, knowing that the right thing to do is the right thing to do. Yes. So, Rabbi, you're asking me questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not at liberty. You're, you're, you're well, Rabbi. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, I'm, just I'm just. I'm, I'm giving. Just, I'm giving you boxing questions. You're giving right? me. Rab- you're giving me Rabbi answers. Otherwise, <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I appreciate so, it. You gave me like a. We should well, believe, the other we should thing is that connected. you said you said you said you have a son twenty one years old. I thought you were twenty eight, yep. twenty nine yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I have an older son who's twenty four. Oh my you. god! Wow! Wow! You look you look quite young. Thank you. you. Well, you do um, you do a summarize. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep in shape uh, during COVID. Um, my my boys are big fans of yours. Thank you. One hundred percent. So let's get into your life a little. Um, um, what? Uh, Dang- uh, boxing is a dangerous sport, you know. Um, no, we know <laughs> you look like you're doing okay, thank God. But I'm curious, what was your parents' reaction? So, um, I started boxing at this at Star City Boxing Club, which was an African American gym. And Jimmy O'Farrell, although the name sounds Irish, was an older black man mm-hmm. that took tremendous care of me and was a father figure in my life. Wow. Um, and uh, so my family immigrated in, to the United States in 1991. I started boxing in 1995. Um, and, uh, you know, my exposure to hip-hop music, to hip-hop culture, and to, and to the African-American community, really, um, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a Soviet kid, you know, four years in the country. So learning English, learning culture, learning music really came uh, to a large extent, um, you know, obviously from being in school, but, but also every day, from from five to eight being in Star City Boxing Club, so I know that uh, you know and 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 
it resonated on me. And one of the reasons why I wore Star of David on my trunks and was so, uh, you know, outspoken during my career was because being in Star City Boxing Club, being around that culture had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, had an effect that when somebody, you know, when you, it's, 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 it's important to be, uh, proud in a healthy way. So I wanted to do that for myself as I moved, as I moved up the ranks throughout my career, even when I was an amateur, actually. So, uh, how did my parents feel about it? Well, you know, uh, at the age of 14, my mother became ill with breast cancer and, um, uh, you know, boxing at that time gave me a place of solace, a game, a place of comfort and focus and kept me away from, from negativity. So, um, besides, uh, it being a dangerous sport in my, uh, in my life, it, it kind of served as, as, as something that, that was very healthy. Uh, and my relationship with Jimmy, mm-hmm. uh, helped throughout that time. So before I turned pro, my father asked me, is this really what you want to do? And I said, yes. And, you know, before I turned pro, I was number one in the country and I won the golden gloves and I won you know, many amateur boxing tournaments. So, um, it's, it's what I wanted to do with that at that stage of my life. And thank God it worked out well for me. Wow. It, it's know, interesting. Willie, Willie, Willie Pep, great fighter Willie Pep from like the 19, 1900s used to mm-hmm. say, he who hits and runs today will live to see another day. So I try to <laughs> slip and slide. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a beautiful story. And, and, um, what I appreciate about your your journey is not just your your father's support. He saw that you really wanted to do this, um, but um, but your connection with the African American community sounds very very positive. Um, and uh, I'm just wondering, you know, whether or not you've you've done any work or can do any work to help maybe repair some of the breaches that exist between the Jewish and African American communities. You're you speak so glowingly. It's it's a it's a bit of a rarity. I don't know if you realize, and I and I I appreciate it. I think it's great. What is a bit of a rarity? Um, somebody who's so Jewishly identified and is so comfortable in the African American community. <laughs> okay, that's 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 uh, that's probably true. I mean, I you know, I grew up in it, and and my my religious experience happened happened as I was. In Star City Boxing Club, as I was around, you know, around around that environment, around that culture, and the two very interesting forces intertwined in my life. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel very blessed to be able to see certain situations and experience certain things, especially with Jimmy O being so close to me, yeah, uh, and being uh, in, in the neighborhood and around certain people and around certain situations. And on, only later on in my life, I realized that someone from my background, and you know, somebody wearing a yarmulke or whatever would probably not have a chance to see these situations in such an intimate way over and over again. And, and, uh, I feel very blessed that I had the, the, that tremendous learning experience, That's and, you know, and, and growing up, you know, Jimmy O was more than a trainer to me. He was my mentor. He was really, uh, really a very special person in my life. And he used to, you know, so after I go home from the gym, many days he'd call me and he'd give me lessons about, about boxing and then they would go on, you know, and they would, they would stretch on into life. And, and, uh, when I was, a, you know, a kid, a kid, a teenager, I didn't really understand it. Or maybe I just understood on a basic level. And I was a promoter, you know, being in business, dealing with different kinds of people. Many of the things that he said kind of like open up and make so much sense now, you know, and, uh, feel really, 
are blessed and grateful that 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 uh, uh, that that I have those lessons that he prepared me for many of the things that I'm experiencing today. That's amazing. That's really beautiful to see. I mean, I, you realize how how helpful you could be in trying to. I, I'm going back to this because there are some rifts in our different communities that have been exposed during COVID. Black Lives Matter protests and some Jewish people feeling that those protests included some pro-Palestinian, anti-Semitic kind of uh, elements. Um, I just think it's that 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 organic relationship as that you developed with your mentor, with your teacher, um, is very very powerful and, and very instructional for all of us. Um, Tell us a little about the the twenty the twenty four victories. Twenty nine. Uh, oh my God! I keep doing that, Rabbi. I'll try I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. This interview is not in person because it would have just turned into another knockout. Probably never. Your never string ever. of your string of twenty nine victories. Although you look pretty fit to get in the ring, I gotta say you look pretty fit, Rabbi. <laughs> um, I mean, let me say this: if I if I was if I if I was a guy walking on the street wanting to pick on a Jew, I don't think I'd pick you. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind. Tell that to my brother because he was always picking on me. Um, did that add a lot of pressure being undefeated? So you know, I uh, I uh, a lot of pressure to, to a lot I of mean, pressure. It's like a lot of pressure not to lose. Oh my God! I you're, you're just going. You're on this trajectory, this winning you know streak. So, Right, so so um, you know, I uh, got involved with Chabad Lubavitch when I was fourteen years old, and slowly but surely started to progress in my level of observance and my level of Judaism. And the rabbi that uh, through whom I became uh, observant religious is Rabbi Zama Libra, who's the head of Chabad of Flatbush. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I was uh, um, going to the U.S. Championships when I was 18 years old, which were held in Gulfport, Mississippi. And before I went to this tournament, I uh, asked my rabbi to give me a blessing that I should win. Mm -hmm. And uh, the rabbi suggested that I follow the old Chabad custom of writing a letter to the rabbi through the custom of Igor Skordish, which is the letters that the rabbi wrote previously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And uh, the answer that I got was that you'll be successful in what you do and will have influence through your work. But try to do your work but do your work according to Torah and mitzvah. So my rabbi, Rabbi Zama said, this means for you that you shouldn't box on Shabbos. Mm. And at that point in time, I still wasn't fully Shabbos observant. still wasn't kosher. You know, still was on my way, on my journey. Um, but, uh, you know, I decided that it was the right step for me. And uh, <clears throat> national tournaments are, you fight every day of the week. And if you make it to the finals, which they're on Saturday afternoon. And uh, when I arrived to go from Mississippi, I told USA Boxing, that uh, I wouldn't be able to box in the finals if I make it because I'm an observant Jew, etc. So they say, okay, you'll be disqualified. But I, I, I won and I got to the finals and the semifinals. I'd be somebody that was a very good boxer. I was interviewed by the local paper, um, or actually by a writer whose name is Dylan Hernandez, who now is a writer for the LA Times. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, but he was a local writer. Mm -hmm. He's actually the head writer for the, he covers uh, Dodgers. Uh -huh. um, um, and uh, he said, Dimitri, what a great upset. What can we expect from you in the finals? And I said, I won't be able to box because it's, the, it's at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon and I observed the Sabbath and USA Boxing disqualified me. So I'm not, I'm not fighting on Saturday. So Dylan uh, uh, 
said, you know, let me see what I could do. And he spoke to USA Boxing, and they changed my time, and I was able to fight after Shabbos. Whoa, that's huge. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I just you're, spoke uh, with, you're the I just, Sandy, You're the Sandy Kofix of boxing. I just spoke with Dylan a couple of, couple of months ago, and uh, I told him. So every time I, you know, most times that I speak to, to rabbis and I, give, uh, and I give these talks, I always mention Dylan because he was it's such a – God used him in such a great vehicle to be able wow. to help me to, to – wow. To, uh, so I tell him that I mean, you don't know all over the country, man. <laughs> Not only for your writing. <laughs> so that's incredible. Anyway, so, uh, Dimitri, so that's I'll... a huge, huge kiddush Hashem. That's incredible. Kolokovo to you. Thank you. So, um, so then I won uh, the U.S. Championships, um, and that was in the year 2000. And then in 2001, I won the Golden Gloves, the New York City Golden Gloves, and I got the Outstanding Boxer Award uh, out of all the weight classes. Uh, wow. And... Uh, so, also, my fight was originally scheduled for Friday, but they changed it to Thursday. It was a Mass Square Garden, and thank God I won. Then I turned pro. So, I was undefeated for two years, about three years, actually, as an amateur. That doesn't count in the 29 and 0 record. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so then I turned pro, and uh, I signed with Top Rank, one of the best promoters in boxing still today, Bob Barham. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, Wait, I think you turned your... Yeah, okay, go back. Sorry, go ahead. I, fe- yeah, go ahead. I felt... Uh, so, going through my pro career, and then obviously, you know, so at that, at that point, when at fighting amateur boxing, no one really knows who you are. You don't really get a lot of press. You just, you know, you're just doing it for the love of the, for the, love of the game, for the love of the sport, for an opportunity to turn pro and to make some of yourself. And when I turned pro, uh, you know, you start getting these Sports Illustrated, the Daily News, this, that... And, and, uh, you know, you realize it's, it, it is a lot of pressure. Uh, but, uh, you know, I always felt, uh, you know, reference back that letter that I got and always felt connected and always felt that it was my mission to accomplish and to do my best and, uh, try to do my best. Wow. Uh, and sometimes it was easier. Sometimes it was very difficult, but, so, uh, did, did you, you ever know, feel, did you ever feel bad knocking someone out? You're such a sensitive guy, you know. How do you know that I'm, how do you know that I'm a sensitive guy? <laughs> well, first <laughs> of all, tell? I don't know. I, I feel it even even through the screen here. You seem like a very very thoughtful, sensitive person. But you're you're a Torah observant Jew, you know. That develops sensitivity, you know. Observing the mitzvah, putting on tefillin, it just it makes us more sensitive and, and attuned to other people's feelings. I know it's it's the sport. I know it's a professional thing, but like, just curious. I don't know if that's an unfair question. No, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think. Um, I think that when you get in a ring, um, when you get in a ring, your job is to win. And sometimes when you land a punch, that punch leads to a knockout. There was one or two times when I was fighting. I think I dropped a guy and I knocked him down a couple of times, and I felt the referee should stop the fight, and oh. I waved to the referee, "You should stop it," you know, and, wow. he, t- and he said no. And he said, keep fighting. And I just, you know, and I, what can you do? And then you just do what you got to do. So he stopped it the next round. But, uh, but I got, I, I don't, I don't, at least on a conscious level, I just wanted to win and, uh, sure. And, and do what I wanted to and do what I needed to do inside the ring. Wow. Uh, but, but Jimmy O did tell me, did tell me sometimes that he wished that I was a little bit meaner. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when you, dro- when you, I love this language. When you dropped that guy and you told the ref, you know, maybe we should stop the fight. 
you had a little sense that no, I didn't, you, no. <laughs> it's not, it's not a, it's not a Gamora discussion. It's not like maybe you should stop. <laughs> ref, maybe you should stop the fight. Right. No, you, you just swear. You said like no, no. The, the, when you hit the guy and he's wobbling and you see right. point to the ref like ref, you know, right. you say through your mouthpiece and through your and right. through your difficult breath, ref. He just says keep going, you know. Oh my gosh, was the guy okay in the end? No, he was okay. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh my gosh, I don't know how you do that, man. Um, let me ask you this: um, You wear a yarmulke. You're observant. You represent fighters of every race and religion. First of all, tell us a little about the company because not everybody knows about the company you started. Uh, and I'm curious how you knew these fighters would trust you because you're very identified as a religious observant Jew. And I'm wondering if that had any. Did that attract other fighters to you? Did that create a problem, or was it just sort of neutral? Um, <clears throat> the way I learned Judaism, uh, you know, as an observant Jew, you have to be the best you can be in whatever talent God gave you. So I feel that my talent is boxing. First, it was as a fighter. Now it's in the business of boxing. I'm very blessed to do what I do because I love the sport of boxing and I love the business of boxing and. Even though sometimes there are challenges, I still, even though, you know, sometimes they're a little difficult, overall, uh, f- from a from a worldview, I love it. And I'm very grateful to be involved with it. Uh, so I, I I don't feel that uh, that uh, me uh, wearing a yarmulke or having certain restrictions um, and also certain responsibilities in terms of conducting business and, and, uh, uh, and, and my outlook of, on on uh, on the possibility and the potential of the different athletes that I represent, uh, I feel that it only helps me, and uh, I represent some of the best fighters in the world. I would say not to not not in a way, not in a bragging way, but just just when people say like sometimes people say you can't be a religious Jew and do this and do that. I would say that we're probably the fastest growing promotional company. Wow! Uh, wow! In in the last I don't know years. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I have fighters that all, or that all the, many of the top promoters have gone after and are going after, and through some, we work through some, we have some battles outside the ring, but, um, um, so, uh, I don't think that, uh, I, you know, I, overall, obviously there are situations sometimes where certain people feel a certain way about me because of who I am. Sometimes it happens, but, um, you know, we do good and fair business, uh, and uh, um, and uh, and the fighters that, that that work with us are for the better. Some of the best fighters in the world. And, and, and is there any, is there is there mm-hmm. anything about being observant or religious that you think has given you an edge above your competitors, perhaps? Uh, I I. I feel very responsible about what I do. I give it my whole, my all all of the business uh, effort in my and, and energy and time, and I you know and I think that I think outside the box. Um, and uh, you know, the WBC just the WBC, which is the World Boxing Council, one of the mm-hmm. major ranking organizations. Oops, sorry. That's okay. Um, it's, it's wait. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. It looks like you could use one of these stands. You're right. But I, I can use one of these things. But I can't. Well, I, I can't lend you mine because I'm using it to protect myself right now, though. I, I, can you see me? Because I can't see you. Uh, all I see is black. Yeah, but, there we uh, go. We, I can. I, I can hear you perfectly, though. 
I see you, but I don't maybe, maybe I think your video has gone off somehow. Yeah, and I'm not sure why. Uh, and I, I can. Oh, oh, something just came up, but not your face. I mean, we can continue this way if we yeah. have to, but it would sure. be unfortunate. Um, Scott, if there's any way, Scott is helping us with our uh, podcast here. Um, if there's any way to advise Dimitri um, to uh, to get his video back on. Oh, wait, something just up. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I don't, I, I, know, I can't control it on this end. Um, okay. I see, I, see, I, see, I, see the, I see the cam button. Yeah, if you just take the cam button and, and try to select your camera again. So it's off and it's on. Front camera, back camera. No. Well, something happened. Okay. I see a very nice floor. Oh, huh. oh, there you are. There we go. Okay. Excellent. You're back. All right. Now, so so we were just talking about, you know, I'll tell you the reason I asked you this question. I've had a lot of guests on very, very successful people in different areas of life. For example, mm-hmm. Senator Joseph Lieberman mm-hmm. was a guest on this podcast. And he likes to say, um, and he wrote this in his book. He wrote a book about Shabbat. You know, he's a Torah observant Jew. Yeah, and he said, it's not just that I figured out a way around, you know, my observance and to 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 be able to be a senator, and he was picked by Al Gore to be his running mate. He could have been the vice president of the United States. It's not just I figured out a way to negotiate the two. It was because I'm an observant Jew that it helped me figure out how to behave in a certain kind of situation, how to fill you know my my political world with more meaning and purpose, and people are attracted to that. You know, you see that in the Torah with Yosef, mm-hmm. right? Yosef became number two in command next to Paro. And he never hid who he was Jewishly. In fact, Paro himself thought of himself as a god. The ancient pharaohs were worshipped as deities and gods. And he kept referring to the one and true God, which would have been a huge diss and a huge insult to to a, a leader who calls himself a god. But it, it only caused Paro to respect Yosef more. And uh, I feel that way sometimes when I meet successful people who are observant who are who don't wear it on their sleeve, you know, not showing it off, not just show I'm such a religious guy, I'm such a holy person, but are proud of their Judaism and 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 understand that Torah offers a way to be more successful at life. Maybe not at being a boxing promoter or being a politician, but at life. And that's, well, you know, please. I, what you say is beautiful, and I agree with everything that you said, and uh, with the... Want to want to connect to the words of of Senator Lieberman because I would feel I feel one hundred percent that that's has been the, that has been uh, true in my life and he articulated it in a beautiful way um, uh, as a senator could <laughs> um, right. so for sure uh, I think that uh, being a Torah observant Jew uh, makes you better gives you the tools to be better at whatever talent whatever place you choose to be in. Every aspect of life, for sure. Um, and um, uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I say that that uh, uh, it only garners respect and understanding, and uh, and it's been great. Awesome. And you, we mentioned before, and I think I mispronounced her first name. Her last name is Shields, uh, who some say is the best female fighter of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her first name again? I'm so sorry. So Clarissa Shields is a two-time Olympic gold medalist. 
the oh, only wow. man or woman in the history of USA boxing uh, to be a two-time Olympic gold medalist. She's an undisputed uh, middleweight champion, undisputed junior middleweight world champion, and a three-division world champion. So she is the fastest person in the history of the sport, man or woman, to be a three-division world champion. The fastest, the only person ever to be a two-division undisputed world champion in the four-belt era. Wow. The first woman ever to headline uh, a boxing card on premium cable network television, which was Showtime, and has gotten record-breaking numbers um, on television. And in every fight is, is, is just uh, doing wonders inside the ring and outside the ring for wow. women's rights, for equality, for women empowerment. She's a, she grew up in Flint, Michigan, which uh, is one of the most challenging cities in the United States and came from very different, diff, different, difficult, I'm sorry, from very difficult, um, uh, situation and made the best of it and is truly uh, an American hero, a role model in every sense of the word. She is, uh, wow. How, how did you, that, first of all, that's uh -huh. incredible. How did you get to sign her? So I read an article in Wall Street Journal in 2016, a couple of months before the Olympics. There was like a small uh, uh, mention of her, and I read about her, and I was like, "Man, this is, this was before her second Olympic gold medals, which was in 2016. I think it was in was it in London? No, it was in uh, it 2016. Was in, no, it was in uh, Brazil, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, Brazil. Brazil, right? So I read this article about her amateur titles and her previous Olympic gold medal, where she's from, and her life. I was like, man, this is the best boxer coming out of the Olympics. Man or woman, this is the best boxer coming out of the Olympics. Wow. And after each Olympic game, usually, you know, the professional boxing scouts look at different uh, 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 different boxers that they feel are going to have the potential to be world champions and approach them. And the one that caught my eye was Clarissa. So I uh, contacted her manager, which is Mark Taffet, who was the head of HBO Pay-Per-View. And I fought on HBO Pay-Per-View as a fighter mm -hmm. just uh, several years prior to me contacting him mm -hmm. and uh, told him about my vision, about what I thought would be right for her. And he liked it and she liked it. And her first fight with me, she was the main event on Showtime at MGM Grand Detroit, which was also the first time that a boxing event was held at that venue. It was sold out. She made great money and got tremendous exposure. And after that, we signed a promotional agreement and have been together uh about four years now. And we just extended our deal for a couple wow. more fights and a couple wow. more years. So uh, uh, she's on her way to being a two-sports star. She's fighting uh, June 10th. She's going to be fighting on ESPN in her MMA debut. Um, and uh, uh, shortly after that, we'll be announcing our next boxing fight. And uh, she's really amazing. And folks should Google her um, to read about her and see some of her fights and read some of her interviews and see what she's all about. She's really a wonderful amazing person um, and is doing a lot, not only for women's fighting, for women's boxing, but also for women's sports, for women's empowerment. And she's mature and a real leader to understand her role in, in, in this environment. And um, uh, this is really an amazing, an amazing role model for girls, boys, uh, women and men around the world in the United States. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Well, why do you think um, there used to be a trend of Jewish boxers? So, she, so, so, oh. so I want to say Clarissa is one of over 50 fighters that we represent, uh, including top heavyweights like Joe Miller, Otto Whalen. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. So, um, 
Now, I was just asking about, um, I, I imagine most of them are not Jewish, or is that not true? What was the question? How many of your boxers are that you're representing now Jews versus non-Jews? I'm just Because I remember <coughs> hearing when I grew up. I don't, I don't represent any Jewish boxers. Right. I mean, not by policy. It just aren't too many, right? There aren't too many, and and there aren't too many with the credentials that we look for. Right, there aren't any that I know at this point. I mean, why did that trend stop? There used to be a lot more Jewish boxers back, back, back when. I mean, way before you came to this country. Um, Well, because Jews were immigrants, and they didn't have an opportunity to make work because of anti-Semitism. They didn't have an Mm -hmm. opportunity to work different professions, and boxing, as sports has served, was a way for them to break out of their environment, break out of their life and make it to the, you know, make some money and, 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 and uh, progress. Uh, but, you know, as, as, as you see, their kids didn't become boxers. They want to become, right. you know, educated right. folks. So what I want to say though, and I started talking about is WBC World Boxing Council just named me the ambassador of boxing uh, to Israel, to the Middle East, to, to, to the country of Israel. And we're, work, we're talking with the government and there were some boxing officials there to establish a, there is boxing there. There is some real talent, but it just needs infrastructure, needs needs uh, uh, needs certain training tools to be able to progress. And I feel that that uh, that that they can, and 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 hopefully they will, and we'll have some uh, very talented and champion champion boxers coming from Israel. Uh, to a home near you in the near future. <laughs> wow. All right. So you're bringing boxing to the Holy Land. Hopefully. Wow. Well, good luck with that. Um, was it hard to have a social life when you were a boxer? Or are you like when you're in training? I guess when you went pro from being an mm-hmm. amateur boxer to being pro, you know, I, the only thing most people know about boxing, probably including myself, is the Rocky movies, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, I love the Rocky films. And like it, it's like a certain intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you been able, uh, you know, was that hard? Is that can, so, can you- uh, as, 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 a, uh, as an amateur boxer, even though I wasn't a professional, that was, I was a professional. I just didn't get paid, but I, you know, I <laughs> right. went to school and I trained all day, every day and what I ate and how I rested and what I did was governed by, uh, by boxing, by my boxing schedule. And certainly as a professional, I was very focused, very dedicated on being the best I could be and uh, spent my time training, uh, training and, and, and resting and doing all the things I could to, uh, to be the best I could be. So I, 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 I uh, you know, even though I had, to, you know, I started to get some, the, um, uh, some notoriety, I guess, and certainly in New York city, I, I didn't really can't say that I lived a, a, a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Rambunctious <laughs> social life. <laughs> my social life was uh, uh, the boxing gym and my shopper's table. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Mostly. Right. I mean, listen, thank God you had that balance with Shabbos in your life and Torah and mitzvot. That, that gives some balance. Um, and was one of the reasons, I guess, you, you started your company um, I mean, I just what, what is the average age when a boxer just stops boxing? Did you did you hit a certain age where you said, "I just I can't, is this brutal? I can't do this anymore physically, well, physically and mentally." And you know, and you start to to talk about social life, you start to kind of understand and and and, uh, and appreciate other things in life. 
you know, as you grow and as you mature. And, and, you know, and that started happening in certain uh, responsibilities that I had to life that I had to, that I felt were very important. And uh, it just kind of dwindled out, you know, when I uh, promoted my first couple of fights uh, for myself. And then, you know, I, I saw business in it and I saw some great talents um, that I felt the other uh, promoters, managers weren't, weren't, weren't seeing. And, uh, you know, uh, very happy that, that what I saw, like the first guy that I signed was Jarrell Big Baby Miller. The, you may not know who he is, but... Mm. Maybe there's some uh, folks that, that know boxing. He was the number one rated American heavyweight. Um, oh, wow. He was scheduled to fight Anthony Joshua mm-hmm. June 1st, 2019 uh, for a multi-million dollar payday. But unfortunately, so the fight was signed and done and announced at a press conference in Madison Garden. Unfortunately, uh, you know, both fighters signed up for drug testing and Jarrell oh. uh, failed, uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, failed the drug test. So the fight didn't happen, but but you know, but uh, I worked with him since his second professional fight to finding a mass square garden in front of millions of fans. Um, this is the first fighter I signed, so I'm very wow. happy that the, my vision and my ability to evaluate talent and to see their exposure and their potential, you know, kind of paid off. And Jarrell was that guy that really made it from from the beginning to to the very highest level. Um, so. Uh, uh, Wow! Hopefully, and, and ho- hopefully, hopefully, there's more to follow. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I assume it's a little less nerve-wracking being a promoter than the, uh, than a boxer yourself. Different challenges, but yes, right. I would I would agree. I mean, getting right. in the ring, getting in the ring, is the most uh, it's the most uh, difficult challenging thing to do. And you can have a little more of a, I guess, a personal life, family life. Yes, for sure. Uh, and uh, yes, and you can enjoy more things at the shopper's table as well because you don't have to make way. <laughs> right, 100%. Um, how do you like Detroit? And, and curious why you chose to live there. Um, I lived in Michigan because I had the family obligations that I had to, that I had to, that I had to, that I had to go along with. Right. So, uh, uh, but we've, we've established a boxing program in Michigan and uh, Clarissa is from Michigan. Jermaine Franklin, one of the top American heavyweights coming up from Michigan. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, 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 uh, you make it work wherever you're at. So, uh, uh, yeah, you know. it's a nice Jewish community. I used to do uh, NCSY. I don't know if you're familiar with NCSY, National mm-hmm. Conference Synagogue Youth. And we used to go to Detroit like once a year. Um, it's a very, um, you're involved in the Jewish community there in, in yeah. Detroit? Yep. It's great. It's it, it, it is nice and it's grown, I think, after Corona. Uh, because it's more of a passive, uh, more controlled lifestyle. I think there's been a lot of young families that have come in here. So, and great schools, and and yeah, it is a very good growing community. Yeah, nice Jewish schools and all that. I mean, and and was it just one last question? We're going to close up in a second, but I mean, was it hard during Corona, during the pandemic? Like, I mean, obviously there were no more, you know, matches and and mm-hmm. all that. Extremely difficult. Obviously, you know, boxing shut down. Uh, fortunately, we have a, a, some uh, fighters that are, you know, top level that were able to fight on television. We actually did a UFC fight pass show at the Crown Boxing Gym in Detroit in August, mm-hmm. um, and we had to get the state to allow us, uh, you know, to allow us to do it. And we had we had a bubble. We had everybody COVID tested. Oh my gosh! Uh, but you know, one of the great things, and 
for boxing fans, one of the great things thinking outside the box during COVID is that we did is that, uh, you know, I grew my, our YouTube channel, which gets, I don't know, five, six million views a month. And that's some of the best fights and acquire. Wow. And, uh, you know, during that period of time, being able to think about growing the business, um, acquire rights to some of the greatest fights in the sport of boxing. And some of them are on our YouTube channel, Salida Promotions. So folks can uh, check it out and sign up and watch some videos. And, um, um, but certainly as I'm sure for everybody, Corona has been very challenging. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the, you and I having a conversation now through this, uh, virtual, uh, through this virtual room, but if Corona would never happen, this would not happen. We'd probably, that's right. You know, that's right. So, so, so it makes life, um, uh, uh, changed our ways, ways of life and communicating with one another and, uh, for the, uh, for the better and for the better, for, for the better. better and many, in some ways for the better. hundred sure. percent. Yeah. And you know, um, so first of all, I want to make sure everybody heard. So it's, it's the YouTube channels called Salida promotions, it, Salida promotions. Okay. Okay. Guys, yeah. anyone's listening, Salida promotions, uh, check out the YouTube channel for some amazing fights. Also, let me, let me finish up with one question. That's actually a little promotion for something I'm doing. I'm writing a book. I'm writing my second book. I'm writing a, a second book. I'll send you my first one. I don't know if you ever read it called Beyond the Instant. Um, and um, I got a lot of books behind me, but I don't Oh, Here it is. So the you, first, oh, what, first of all, what do you live, Rabbi? I live in New York City on the okay. Upper West Side of Manhattan. And uh, 22 years ago, I started an organization called MJE. Okay. Manhattan Jewish Experience, which basically reaches out to unaffiliated or less affiliated Jews in their 20s and 30s um, and try to bring them into the community and also just increase people's knowledge and awareness of their Jewish identity. Amazing. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we've had a lot of, we've had about 350 marriages that have happened wow. through the organization and lots of learning and Torah. We have a beautiful mini. Any, what you tell us when you're in New York next, we'd love to host you. Be I'm in New York honor. quite often. I was yeah? actually, I think, I think I spoke for you guys maybe 12, 13 years ago. You did a long time ago. I mean, yeah. you were, you were in, you were in the thick of it. I remember you were awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, remember. I, remember, I remember the flyer that we, we used to promote your talk. You had like a silhouette of wearing tefillin. Oh, is it? I, that, 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 that I don't it, was so, it was so cool. You were bo- You had like your fists up, like boxing, but you had like the tefillin. It was gorgeous. Okay. I loved it. I thought it was cool. So I, I, so I wrote this book called Beyond the Instant Jewish Wisdom for Lasting Happiness in a oh, Fast-Paced Social Media World. And it's basically 10 different lessons from the Torah about how to achieve happiness in a world where everything is so fast and social media driven. Um, and it's a lot of... Torah wisdom. I thought I would end just by asking you, my next book is really a preparatory book. And as a boxer, how much goes into preparation? My next book is going to be called The 40-Day Challenge. It's actually coming out in a couple of weeks. And there are these 40 days between Rosh Chodesh Elul, uh, which is the day, and I have to read it in the book, some, a lot of very special things happen for the Jewish people in Rosh Chodesh Elul. And, and then the 40 days from that day till Yom Kippur. And that every single day, there'll be a little entry for someone to read. Take them about five, six minutes just to read it. It's an insight from the Torah. And then a challenge question so that they could personalize that teaching to their own personal lives. And I'm doing it really because I feel that people just go into the high holidays expecting the high holidays to sort of do its magic. 
people just sort of show up. How important is it as a boxer and as someone now promoting many boxers very successfully is preparation? You know, you touch on such a great point. And I think that it, it touches on every facet of our life. <clears throat> I'm a big uh, believer in, in small habits. And I feel that small habits uh, that are done repeatedly become bigger habits and form success and productivity and positive thinking and, and throughout all areas of life. So preparation is very important. You know, when I was younger, when I was training, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about the fact that I have to wake up and run at 7 in the morning and do 40 minutes or whatever. It was just habitual to me. So, But, but like I didn't conscientiously think that it's a habit that I have to upkeep to be successful. I just did it because it was so ingrained in me. But later, as you grow older, and you know, there are certain goals that you have, um, and uh, sometimes you have to ingrain the habits to, to get to those goals because they may be new, new activities, new ways of life, new ways of thinking. So I'm a big, big fan and uh, 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 and participant in, in 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 trying to form those habits and trying to and trying to, and believe in preparation. And that's what that's what it is. Preparation is key to anything and to everything. It's not. You know, uh, if you want to use a boxing analogy, and it happens quite often, many times in the gym when I was a kid and older, you see these guys that are just so talented. They're just incredible. And they take it for granted and they don't work as hard. And because they're so talented, they're able to get to a certain level. But then at that level, they meet someone who's not as talented, but who foundation put in the work every day for 10 years. Wow. And, you know, the round six comes, and the guy that's very talented is out of gas and his mm. left arm is hurting him and his mind is not strong because he's never been here and he gives up and, you know, and, and, and the tough guy that doesn't have as many skills, but is putting the work, you know, gets the victory. So I'm, I'm, I'm foundation in business and personal things is so important. So I, I, uh, I, I believe in it and love and love what your, what your, what, what this book is about, I would love to read it. So Thank you. A hundred percent. I will do that. And I appreciate that analogy. It's probably why Rocky films were so successful because here you had someone who had a lot of talent, but it was a lot of raw talent, but mm-hmm. he prepared and he worked so hard. And then when you get to the big match, I guess that's Yom Kippur for us. <laughs> you're prepared. You're in a certain spiritual place. And I feel so strongly that if we did more preparation, we would get so much more out of our Judaism. Just like you're saying, you do for that for that boxer who's maybe really talented but hasn't prepared as much, and he gets tired, his, his arm is hurting, it's the sixth round. But the guy who's been preparing has been plugging away, and I mean, that makes all the difference. And I love what you said also about, you know, these um, – uh, what, what did you say? Like these habits, these like daily habits, you don't even think about doing them, you just do them. Right. I mean, I, I do think that that's part of what mitzvot are about. Not that we right. should be mindless, but once we but we integrate certain, you know, I always say, wake up in the morning, start your day, I thank you, God. You start your day with gratitude. You wash your hands. You go recite the morning blessings. You then, you're eating. You don't even think about it. You recite a blessing. But obviously, we should try to think about it. But those positive habits really develop us into the people we become. You know, as as intellectual as Judaism is, it's more, I think, a behavioral kind of approach um, because Torah is mitzvah-centered and mitzvah are actions that we do on a regular daily basis to get ourselves to a certain place. So um, 
I think just the whole boxing and also you see it with business. Also, I do a lot of fundraising. I, I see a certain trend with people who keep plugging away consistently, you know, relentlessly. Um, Dimitri, thank you so much for giving us your time. This was really, really amazing. Thank you, everybody. I look forward to being in touch and look forward to reading your book. Amen. Amen. And, uh, looking forward to, to uh, wishing you and your congregants a great summer and hope Thanks, to see yeah. you guys, uh, in a good COVID-free environment. And Please, God. And it, it's happening now. We're actually coming off with the masks this weekend. Very, very exciting. Great. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so much for your time. And God should bless you with continued success for all you do. Really amazing Thank work you're doing. Thank you so much, Rabbi. And I'm, I'm going right. to send you my number, and I look forward to staying in touch with okay, you. Okay, good. Yeah, let's do it. Let's Take be in touch, man. Thanks, sir. All right, yeah. you too. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Wilds Cast. Subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already, please leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store. It only takes a minute, and when you do it, it helps others discover the show. Music from today's episode comes courtesy of Yosef Wilds. For more information about the Manhattan Jewish Experience, please visit our website at jewishexperience.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for joining us.